uh, gather around the microphones one last time for 2023. We wish you all a very uh, merry holiday season, post-Christmas, pre-New Year's. And uh, welcome to Swing Thoughts. Golf spiritual leader, along with uh, Coach Tim. Hello, Coach Tim. Good to see you. It seems like weeks since I've seen your smiling face. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it from uh, the beginning of April till the end of the summer, we're uh, we're in a lot more uh, contact with one another. We record every week. We're usually at least once a week on the phone, sending notes back and forth. And then this is our... Uh, our season, this is our... We, we need some space season. Yeah, we need, we need a little respite from each that's other. That's right. We need a little space. It's uh, a rest but, and recovery time. That's right. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's uh, it's our last episode of the year, and, uh, and I, we just want to wish everyone the best. And uh, we have a few things we'll get to today. No guests, just uh, Tim and I talking a little bit of... Uh, Golf. I, I kind of. I'm not sure if I sent you a note or we talked about this last time about what we might do today. But I thought we could talk about some of the big stories in golf. And if uh, something that was on the show comes to mind, um, maybe we can, you know, throw that out there as well. You have a way better memory for things and guests and things they've said. And you know, I'm so oh, sure. I was thinking the same. No, no, I no. The, I was thinking no. the same about you. Oh, he he remembers. No, no, no. I don't. I remember nothing. But uh, there are a couple things that I will say when we get to it about uh, a couple of takeaways for me. And uh, one of the the biggest was, uh, you know, obviously it came from, you know, Dr. Pryor. But Mm -hmm. its um, origins were in uh, another friend of the show. And I'll I'll get to that as well. But first, um, how was your... How were your holidays? How were your How was your observance of the birth of the baby Jesus? It was uh, It was wonderful. Thank you. I always explain Christmas in this way. Like you ask people, so how's your Christmas? And like, oh, we're gonna go see my uh, great aunt Lucy, and then we're gonna go here, and the next day there. You know, like all this traveling. Um, I put it in terms of my situation: is the mountain comes to Muhammad. Um, are you know, Mo- Are you Muhammad in this case? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if this mom. is the best. I'm not sure if it's the best time to be Muhammad, <laughs> but hey, I get the analogy. Yeah, we're just gonna I get the metaphor. Yeah, so everyone comes to our place, and so I don't have to go anywhere. I can just you know help cook food and put Christmas wrap away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, no, it was really nice. To both brothers and one of the brothers brought his lovely bride and. I had both both my boys are at home, so that was the first time we'd had uh, Corey home in about three or four years for Christmas. So it was it was very very nice, and um, I didn't do anything too too crazy. Um, coolest thing I got, if you will, or happened, you know, gift wise, was Corey kind of pushed me. He says, "You have a turntable, don't you?" Well, yeah, well, you know, I, I think he was thinking of could he upgrade it or something. And so we got out my turntable, which is, no kidding, like 40 freaking years old. Wow. And it's a Thorns turntable. And I had my, my dad's old receiver. We hooked it up, put on Neil Young Powderfinger, put on the headphones. It was amazing. Yeah, I bet. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know. Do you have a is, Yeah, I do. I, 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 have a, I have my parents' 
you know, they call it mid-century modern stereophonic cabinet that has t- turntable and a radio receiver. And the tur- I've, I've been meaning to get the turntable fixed because it's the original one. And that's what I was going to ask you. That turntable you have, that can't be the original stylus, is it? It is. Is it really? Yeah, it is. And I was like worried. Uh, you know, I just oh, what the hell? Let's just put it on. Yeah. It sounded amazing. And but the turn the turntable is just like it's just a spindle, rubber band. Yeah, yeah. Very heavy turntable thing. So this Thorns turntable cost a lot when I bought it centuries ago. But you know, it's just pretty simple technology. It goes round and round and and. But the the thing for me is that the, <laughs> no, the, please, please explain how turntables work again. <laughs> do, do that. So wait, wait a second. You're saying it goes round and round. Yeah, that's right. And then the needle. Anyway, uh, you drop please, the needle. But please continue. Howard, there will be some listeners. Okay. There will be some listeners who don't know. So I'm trying to be inclusive. No, here. no that's fine. I was going to tell you in my uh, in my parents this thing that I have. It's a beautiful piece of furniture, but it includes my father's records, and there's only maybe twenty in wow. there. But, uh, you know, my dad can, you know, fancied himself a bit of a hipster back in the late 60s. So this like, you know, Peter, Paul and Mary records, Glenn oh, yeah. Yarborough, Leonard Cohn and the soundtrack to Fiddler on the Roof. That's a true story. Love that. Love yeah. that. Yeah. My dad was more of a big band Count Basie, Stan Kenton kind of guy. But um, anyways, this key point, I just, I just want to make this one was that. The sound is so good. You know, I totally get what Neil Young's talking about in terms of digital robbing us of the full sort of spectrum of sound. The the bass, the you lose the bottom end yeah. when they compress music for digital because there's just not enough room, if you will. So that was really fun. And so in a very special was, moment with you and the, the kid. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. And we're listening to this stuff. And so that was cool. And so I'm going to get some speakers and start listening to music you know and i've got three crates of records yeah having played um records for the first i'm trying to think when we stopped i was still playing records well i wasn't an operator was in the late 80s when i came to cfny which became the edge Mm -hmm. until about 95 when we moved from brampton to downtown toronto uh we were at young and dundas for years we still had, we were playing CDs mostly, but there were still turntables in the control room in Brampton. And occasionally, because something hadn't been, you know, put onto CD yet, we would play it off a record. Here's what I'm going to say, and I want to move on to golf, but I, don't, I think it's a lot like wine. Mm. I don't know that I have the distinction. If you put on the CD of Steely Dan's Asia, and then you put on the the vinyl, which I happen to have. I have it because I got it at a. I was at a thrift store one day and I said, "Wait a second, I should have that." <laughs> I don't know that I could tell the difference. I'd have to listen to them back to back. You know what I mean? I, I know that there's mm-hmm. a distinction. I don't know that I have it. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think maybe it's because I'm a bass player. Yeah, maybe in a band, and that I just that that deep, rich bottom end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just gets sacrificed. And like so, when I listen to on music on AirPods now, it's like whoa! It's just not, it's just not a rich experience. Uh, for me, at the uh, Glassman family uh, Hanukkah slash Santamus, because we don't celebrate Santamus. Well, we don't celebrate the Christ of Christmas. You know, sorry, yeah. just we're, you know, that's not. We're, listen, listen, it's like a Netflix show. Not everyone's going to like the same one. 
<laughs> so, and, uh, you know, in fact, some people aren't even going to believe that some of those shows exist. That would be me. So, um, I, we had a great time. My kids were here. I played you something. My daughters uh, find it quite funny to make fun of me, which they do. And they, uh, one of my kids has a, a great little Instagram account, and she put together a 60 seconds about it's called dads at christmas but it's mostly me at christmas and that's all the things i do i always tell everybody what time i wake up and how tired i am and how i need to lay down and one of the things i do i think a lot of dads do is i when as soon as the presents are open i've been and i've been doing this since they were babies i sit there with a garbage bag and i just take all the wrapping and i put it right in the garbage i don't know is that i think that's a dad thing isn't it Oh, it's a it's a way dad thing because I do the exact same thing. It's like it's like who we don't want litter exactly. I don't (laughs) don't want to me. It's like uh, I just it's too chaotic. So uh, they made they thought that was really funny. I will say that um, I made I made Christmas dinner. I've been doing that. It's kind of been my thing for a long time. Oh, that's great. And you know I've tried. I man, I try. I've probably made in my lifetime, I don't know, 15 or 20 turkey dinners. And let me just pop back into my own story. I don't really, I'm not a really big turkey fan. You know, I don't, I find the meat dry most of the time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I made it, I haven't made it in a few years. And then this year I made it again because I thought, all right, let's switch it up. The last couple of years we've been getting smoked turkey from this hipster barbecue place in Toronto and... You know, and then we get, they make all the meat and then we make the sides and everyone liked that. But I thought, you know, this year I'm going to make a turkey. Let me just say, I, I murdered the turkey. Like it was like National Lampoon Christmas. (laughs) It was just that turkey. The turkey was terrible. I'm not kidding you. The turkey, what happened was everything got away from me. It's like a golf game, right? I had too many other things going on. I wasn't present. I had uh, Brussels sprouts. Uh, one of my kids was in charge of that. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of coordinating everything. Brussels sprouts, fennel and tomato, another dish. I made great. The, the one thing that saved it for me was the I made a really nice stuffing. And then yeah. we had um, uh, my wife brought over potato latkes, which were dreadful. Anyway, if we if this meal was a with this meal was a golf score, the turkey was easily 91 didn't break this turkey did not break 90 the sides the the, uh, stuffing was definitely like 77 78 and overall I was giving it a score of about 82 83 Um, and it was one of those things you know I don't know about you but think about you know you shop for everything days in advance you prep everything and by the way I know I know what went wrong with the turkey you prep everything the day of it's hours and hours of work and then the meal itself the actual eating of the food is about 20 minutes <laughs> you know right. like yeah the talking and the conviviality that goes on for a while but the actual spooning the stuff into your gag hole because i i basically i i'm like this i try and fill up my entire plate with everything and that's all i'm gonna eat i'm not going back for seconds because i could i'm trying to govern myself so that the actual manjaing is pretty limited, considering all those things you have to do to actually. It's like golf again. It's like five hours of, of whatever for about four minutes of actual activity. You know. There anyway, you go. Yeah. So that was that was my. Uh, here's the mistake I made. I bought the turkey on Thursday frozen. 
And it, was a, it wasn't that big a turkey, like 12 pounds. And it says four days to thaw it out. And I put it in yeah. the downstairs fridge. Four days later, take it out. And it, it was still like a terse turkey, turkey-sickle inside of it. Yeah, yeah. Like it was still frozen inside. Yep. So I got confused with the cooking time, and I overcooked it, and it was, uh, it was brutal. Uh, so, 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 Howard doesn't mean you're a bad person. Oh, I don't think I'm a bad steak. person. Just you made a bad character. But, 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 would you learn? Would you learn? What's the learning moment here for you? I just want you to know, for the record, I don't think I'm a bad person. I do think uh, I'm a shitty turkey cook. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think my heart was in it. Uh, what I learned was, um, you know, I, I, I here's the problem was. <laughs> I, w- I relied on the technology of the, th- the de- de- to dethaw the turkey. And yeah. I, uh, you know, I checked on it a couple times thinking, oh, well, you know, they say it'll take four days. And it wasn't a big turkey. But, yeah, solid 82, 83 for the whole meal. The uh, stuffing was great. Um, again, my ex-wife is a, a lot of things. Beautiful, funny, smart. Not the best latke cook I've ever. Just uh, the latkes were not great. So anyway, yeah, um, I'm just going to I'm going to interject here because I think there's I think there's some uh, help that I can provide assistance. Um, so in the O'Connor Halloran household, what we do is um, about four or five days before the big day, uh, we take the turkey out of the freezer and place it in a cooler with about four inches of water in mm-hmm. the bottom. Yeah. And we just monitor it over the last couple of days. And generally by the the big uh, Christmas day, uh, it's completely thawed. Do you and, change the uh, water in it? No, because it's just, it's we buy a turkey that's, you know, like, Shrink wrapped and no, no, I understand that. I just, I guess, all I, of that. I, I so was no, reading, change, I was reading, water. I was reading all these methods about thawing a turkey. And one of the things they say, I guess they're saying is if. If you put a, a raw turkey in cold water, you have to change the water every 30 minutes. But I guess if you're, if the turkey's still wrapped. Anyway, I'm, listen, I'm sure that worked great. It did work great. <clears throat> so I, I would say our uh, our turkey and it was, I think it was 73, 74. Nice. Well, listen, it yeah, can no, happen. It was really good. It, who knows? It could have been a... 69 i don't know because it was just done perfectly and no the thing that i was most proud of is sandy and i had good teamwork in terms of deciding when the damn thing was done you know sticking the thermometer in the i don't get it they they say to put it in like i'm holding up my arm like like it's a chicken i say that but but they say you're supposed to put it in there and i go like well of course that's going to be done but if you put it in the in the breast yeah in the yeah the main part of the bird well won't that be a lot yeah you think so a lot later the um anyways the best turkey i've ever made this was back when i was living in the matrimonial home that's what they call it when you're getting divorced i was living in the matrimonial home and uh a little lawyery i brined i brined a turkey brining brining is a big deal i i I got a i got a uh turkey brined for 24 hours and you know, in a, whatever their solution was. So uh, that's uh, that's that. Um, We've covered the turkey subject. That's what I wanted to talk about. Um, as far as golf yeah, what, goes, what was your favorite? What, what did you get? A, oh, a gift or something? Yes, that was. I got two nice. great gifts. I got. You know, it's funny because uh, I forgot all about the gifts. Gifts were great. Um, 
I'm a big fan of a comedian named Nate Bargatze. Most people haven't heard of him, but he did host Saturday Night Live about a month ago. And when he did, people were like, why is this guy hosting Saturday Night Live? But in the comedy world, this guy's selling out stadiums. But I've been following him since, like, for years and years and years. And my youngest and I, I've been telling her about this comic, and she started to watch him as well. And so she got me tickets to a Nate Bargatze show for London, Ontario in July. So uh-huh. I, first I was like, such fucking, this is such a golfer thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, he, I unwrapped the thing and it's Nate Bargatze tickets. And by the way, I recommend him to, he's very, very funny. He's very clean. So you can watch him with your, you know, your, your people. It's very clean and very down home, kind of a guy from the South, but really, really funny. Anyway, I said, oh, my God, Nate Bargadzi tickets. I said, "For because I'm going to be away. I'm like, when is it? Because I know he's coming to you know this area. And she goes, it's July in London, Ontario. And I immediately go, when in July is this going to be? <laughs> is that going to be? Is that going to get in the way of some tournament? So I bet I didn't say that. I said, oh, that's great, honey. And then later I was looking on the Golf Ontario <laughs> GAO site to see if they've released the uh, the dates. But anyway... So that was one of my favorite gifts. And uh, I immediately thought of golf, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. I didn't get anything golf-wise. Nope. Nothing golf-wise. Because everyone knows I have everything I need. Like, right. what the hell do I need golf-wise? So let's talk a little golf. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of stories that happen in 2023. And... Um, and some things happened on our show in 2023 that I think resonated with some people. We had some great guests. You know, 2023, we got David Ledbetter on the show, which was pretty crazy for me and you, too. Yeah. Like, thinking about his history and who he is and who he's been in the game of golf. But a couple of funny things happened, and I'll remind our listeners, and I know that, you know, you and I sort of laughed about it. So Ledbetter comes on the show. He's promoting this thing called the Straight... What's it called? The takeaway. The, the straightaway. I think it's called the straightaway. I think you're right. Yes. Hang on a second. <laughs> yes, it's called the straightaway because I have one right here. Okay. So he comes on. It was a great interview. 45 minutes. If you haven't heard it, you know, have a listen. And then I'm not sure if this happened before. I think it happened before our next appearance with him. But, you know, we... we you and I became sort of email. We became we got a few emails back and forth from him and his people. You know, certainly booking the show and then getting these straightaways to us. And then Nick Taylor wins the Canadian Open. Another huge thing in the in the world of golf this year, especially for Canadian, especially for us. Right. I want to come back to that in a second. Yep. So then the night. This is the thing I'm getting to. The night that Nick Taylor wins, both Tim and I get an email congratulating us as Canadians from David Ledbetter. And my response to Tim is, are we best friends with Ledbetter now? <laughs> I just like, <laughs> like it was so weird, especially for me, because you, you've listened, you covered a lot more of golf than I have a lot of these people in person, but I, you know, I was a, as we both are a huge Ledbetter fan, read all his books. <laughs> there he is that Sunday night emailing me and you, about Nick Taylor's win. I just thought I know, that like, was funny. Like he's sitting on the couch going, hey, got, hey, my buddy, got to share in the fun. Who am I going to text first? Oh, I know. How, GSL and Coach Tim. <laughs> yeah. 
That's, yeah, that was what I thought was interesting was I think in the eight years that we've been doing the podcast, he was the very first guest that we addressed as Mister. Yeah, yeah, we just couldn't help ourselves. It, 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 you know, again, I that's one of the traditions I love in golf is that there's certain people who had to hold this position of eminence, you know, and you always refer to this Mr. Palmer, Mr. Hogan, Mr. Mm-hmm. Uline. And, and so it's funny. He goes, guys, can you get off of that? Just call me David. So here's the thing I wanted to mention about Nick Taylor, because I talked quite a bit about this on the humble and Fred show, another program on a host. Um, I would have thought, I would have thought, Nick Taylor would have been a slam dunk. If you'd asked me after he sank that impossible putt, who is the Canadian athlete of the year? I said, well, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's the, the first Canadian to win our National Open since every, the whole world was in black and white. You know, they didn't, you know like it yes. was the 1950s. Exactly. So when the Canadian athlete of the year announcements were made... Um, I was surprised. I mean, I'm taking nothing away from the guy, Shia Gilligas Alexander, who is a NBA uh, basketball player from Hamilton, Ontario, and, I, and I've who who I've learned is a, an amazing, uh, you know, he was on the first team All Star last year. You know, he's a, he's a superstar in basketball. Absolutely amazing. Again, taking nothing away from his accomplishments. But a Canadian athlete doing something very Canadian. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's not the criteria. But it just was, as a golf fan, I was a bit surprised because I would have just thought that was a slam dunk. Yeah. Well, I guess it just speaks to the the popularity of, uh, of yep. the game of basketball and uh, where it is. But, yeah, I, I would have thought Nick Taylor was shooing for that because it was – that was part of why that was such an amazing event. You you mix nationalism with sports. It's just an incredible stew. I mean, that's why the Ryder Cup is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but just the way what just like what happened in our living room alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when that 50 footer went in for the Eagle, like, we all just you, you know, we we're all like about three feet off the couch and everything and high five in. It was just that was intoxicating. Even if, you know, Tiger won, um, you know, again, there, I don't think there'd be the same reaction. Well, I agree, by the way. First, to- first Canadian in 69 years to win our national championship. And again, I, I would, it would be interesting to talk to the people that cast these ballots. But I get that this kid, um, he's got a great name, too. I, Gilligas Alexander is his last name, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. And and but to be fair, I'd never heard of him until Agreed. until Absolutely. this yeah, award. Me too. The other people that were considered were uh, Connor McDavid and world swimming world champion Summer McIntosh. And Nick Taylor was one of the ones considered. So that was one of the big stories. You mentioned the the Ryder Cup, which was a big story in the world of golf this year. The the fact the Americans have not won. Think about that. Mm-hmm. They haven't won in Europe in now 32 years. The next time around will be, or 30 years. The next time around will be 34 years. You know, 
And my I, children haven't even been on the on the, on yeah, this earth exactly. Neither of mine. What do you think that is? What do you, why do you think that is? I should say. Oh, you know what? The first thing that comes to mind is Americans just have this tendency to underestimate others, and they think that they know how to do stuff like. And it may seem like a silly analogy, but um, you remember when they opened the Target stores here? Oh, yeah. And it just bombed completely because I just don't know that they comprehend another environment that's different from their own. I I just I totally agree. And so I just have the sense that that's that's what comes up for me instinctually. It always just seems to be the same old. They show up the same, you know, the, the, the same approach to everything and, and then it just doesn't work. And then they just like, you know, two years later, they try it again. And holy crap, it didn't work again. What the heck? You made an interesting point. I think that they underestimate their opponents and they overestimate part of the American jingoism is to overestimate their importance in the world, you know, yeah. uh, evidenced by. The fact that they continue to tout themselves as the greatest country in the world, and they're not even in the top 20 in so many categories that matter, but that's not what we're here to talk about. The fact is, I find it fascinating, too, that they're so good at home mm-hmm. and so anemic on the road. And I don't know. I mean, this is going to segue into the story. I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but... They're, they're going to have to have a reconfiguration of the criterion for these teams. You know, say what you want about Live Golf, and that was another big story this year. Now that John Rahm has gone over to Live, which has made huge headlines around the world, not just in golf, but in, in sports in general. Mm-hmm. They're going, you could hear it in Rory McIlroy's response to it by saying well i want john rob on my team at beth page in 20 whatever the hell the next one is 2025 and there are listen they've got to have they got to have access to brooks kepka they gotta you know if if dustin johnson's playing well if you know i mean i don't think they're missing taylor gooch but you never know you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know what what i hear what i hear from like the captains, um, I just hear that the the Europeans just go to the nth degree of preparation. Everything down to um, you know the locker room setup, the videos they show, that just the amount of, of effort that goes into getting ready for it. Just uh, it's kind of like, oh, these guys are ready to go. They get to that first tee and they're ready to pounce. And I think the Americans are still catching their breath and catching up on um, sleep and jet lag. And, you know, part of the thing, too, was that it was said over and over again, but I speak. I think it speaks to the lack of preparation. I think that the majority of American players had not played a competitive golf round yeah. in about a month. Oh, yeah. And you just can't show up in that environment. I don't care how good a swing you got. Uh, it's that ability to get on that tee and the the the, the fans or the, the chanting – all that stuff that that if you're not sharp if you're not competitive tournament ready you're gonna that's you're gonna suffer 
So I don't know what they're going to do. The uh, We're recording this on December 28th. We're three days away from the deadline. Self-imposed. I don't even, I shouldn't say self-imposed. That's, uh, I don't know that for sure. But then imposed deadline of December 31st for live and the PIF fund or whatever that is and the PGA mm-hmm. tour and Jay Monahan and this whole thing and it will be interesting to see where it all shakes out but what I did want to say and I wrote this down that whatever and you and I are of, of a similar vintage whatever we all thought of the PGA tour our whole lives and how it's always been done and etc 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 it ain't going to be done this way going forward. It's just the reality of it, you know. I'm not a big fan of the live format. I am a fan of John Rom. John Rom going over there definitely changes some of the texture of it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think it's again. I've used this analogy, but I think John Rom going there is like when Bobby Hull went to the Winnipeg Jets. I agree with you. Yeah. In 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 so much that, and again, you can say DJ and all, but DJ wasn't the superstar in his prime that John Rom is. Correct. There's nobody they've gotten since they started of John Rom's stature. I don't care what you say about Cameron Smith, etc. but Or Brooks. Or Brooks. Just yeah. not in this. Even though he's won more majors, John Rom is just, I just think, a, a global superstar where Brooks isn't. And I think it's going to change the nature and face of of whatever tour you thought the PGA Tour was, it is not. It is not going to be in the same. That's all I'll say. What do you think of that? No, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's really going to turn into kind of like a um, the Superstars RS Tour. It's going to be limited fields. Uh, in terms of one of the things the tour is battling for is ratings and space and and one of the things that the PG tour has always had to contend with is you have certain events and you know let's say Rory misses the cut or back in Tiger's day he's not really in contention um you know, well hell they follow him anyways but um the unpredictability that you won't have all the superstars yeah and I think that what they're doing is it's going to be loaded up. So you get all this. It's going to be sort of more like, yeah, these would be the best golfers in the world, but it's more like the celebrity athlete. It'll be the name athlete that draws um, golfers, but also non-golfers to things. And that's that's partly why the Masters does so well in the ratings is that non-golf fans will end up watching it because they get invited over to Buddy's party and that kind of stuff. So I think it becomes that high level thing and that'll be maybe that'll be fine but you know I do I, but miss, I, I don't know I that do I miss I do miss the journeyman yeah I don't know that I agree with you position. completely um, no. I don't know that I agree completely I think you're right to a point that that I'm not sure if you're talking about the PGA tour or those elevated events I think there's going to be just like the WHA and I keep coming back to that analogy from the 70s just like the WHA absorbed like when they when they folded or they sort of got folded into different teams that are now, you know, NHL teams for the last 50 years. And we just forget that the Hartford Whalers and the Winnipeg Jets and all these teams that Quebec Nord Zeke, they were all part of a, another league at one time. And then they just became part of the NHL. I think what's going to happen or has to happen and whether it's celebrities or you say name brand golfers, the guys like McElroy 
and the big stars on the PGA Tour are going to want those guys on live, specifically John Rahm, to compete at their events for a couple reasons. One, it brings more attention to them. Mm-hmm. And secondly, they want to they they know when these broadcasters are talking about these are the best players on the earth. They know that's not true anymore. It's not right. true that these are the best players on the earth because, you know, Dustin Johnson's not there. Brooks Kepka's not there. Um, John Rom won't be there. Cam Smith. Cam Smith's not there. Yeah. So you can't you. That's again, that's a, it's a an imaging problem. And the imaging problem is that you can no longer lay claim to the best tour, which they've, again, since we were kids, the PGA Tour was always better than the European Tour, the Japanese Tour, this mm-hmm. Tour, and the, but it's not anymore. It's just different. And what you were saying about Journeyman, that's a, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll still watch it. I'll still watch the day-to-day or the week-to-week tour events because I enjoy it the same way I can watch, you know, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. But I can watch another NFL team play because I enjoy the sport. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because you're a deep golf nerd. But yes. that doesn't that doesn't. Yes, I am. You have all the deep <laughs> golf nerds you want, but that doesn't equate to to the ratings that brings in the revenues and, and the high amount that you can charge. For yes, I agree. Commercials. Well, who knows how that's all going to change? But I'm wondering, like, what problem does Live Golf solve? Is it is it that PJ Tour events are kind of boring? It's weekend, week out. It's stroke play. It's four rounds, two cuts, a cut. Uh, some tournaments draw a big names. Some don't. Is that the problem that they're solving? That it's just too much. Is the PJ Tour become vanilla? Well, I think they they would answer it by saying this: like the the tour event in. I'm trying to think of, like, I was going to say Waste Management Phoenix, but that's not a good example because that's a super event. But John Deere Classic. The John Deere Classic doesn't do anything for anybody in name a foreign country. Whereas Live Golf, I mean, I, I will say this, when they took their tournament to Australia and when they've taken their tournaments to places that don't normally get high-level names, it did cause a bit of a buzz. Yeah, I know they have a problem with ratings and they don't get a lot of they haven't got a great TV deal with the CW, but I'm telling you this, this John Rom thing, I know I keep hammering away at it. I no, think, I agree with, I agree I think it's the point, Oops. you know, yeah. it's, it's the point in the movie where something happens to change the act, the action and it goes in a completely different direction. And, and I was, cause I'll tell you, I was shocked that he did it. Not shocked. Like, why did he do oh, it? Me too. Yeah. Me I'm, too. I, 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 yeah. E- easily understand why he did it but still shocked that he did it and what it means to the nature of the game. The only thing that could have shocked me more than John Rahm is if Rory McIlroy had done it. Oh, yeah, my goodness, yeah. But yeah. but it's still, now it's within the realm of possibility. Why not? Yeah, and, and it'll be done without Monahan. He'll be gone. Oh, yeah, he's got to be gone. He's uh, toast already. What they're going to decide is if live players can play on the PGA Tour, and then that will change everything. Yeah, and, and I think, and, you know, why not? I don't care anymore. Yeah, oh, me too. I'm actually, like a lot of fans, it's like, really? I'm kind of tired of this nonsense. Um, no, a lot of fans, wait a minute, a lot of fans, 50 plus. A lot of fans our age are tired of it because yeah, human well nature said. is we don't. Guys are, that's why I started off by saying, guys of our vintage. Yeah. Have, the PGA Tour has always been the way it is as long as we've been a, a fans of it. 
but it's not for us. So you asked that well, question. What, what, what is Live Golf solving? It's solving the 28 to 40-year-old fan who's a guy, sorry, who is a young man who wants shit a lot faster and, you know, right. is, is working at a different speed than our brain is working. Yeah, a little bit more rock and roll, if you will. Um, yeah, more celebrity stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'll agree with you 100%. I'm still of that mindset that it's about merit and, oh, the story of the the guy who pulls himself up by his own bootstraps Love it. And, and all of that. You know, that, that stuff is amazing uh, to me. But yeah, I think you're right. There's a, there's a the, the world goes a little bit faster yep. for well a whole lot faster for young people. I even though like I played, <laughs> you okay? Over Related there? subject. How's this? I'm at a Christmas party at my in laws last night, and I'm playing euchre with people who are like, you know, thirty and forty years younger than me. Cards are flying everywhere, and who got that trick? I don't fucking know. My God, you're right. So it just bolsters the point of young people move. Faster. Yeah, well, that's why they're young people. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about change, uh, the nature of it is we none of us, you know, we, we, it's, it sneaks up on you. But pretty soon yeah. you're, you're 40 years of watching a certain type of entertainment and you don't want it to change. Speaking of which, I mean, I'm going to get to uh, my takeaway from uh, our show, but I'm just going to keep going to a couple things happen in broadcasting in 2023. Three in particular, but one was the the end of Nick Faldo as the he's the chief analyst on uh, CBS, mm-hmm. and uh, Trevor Immelman made his debut. I just looked it up this morning because I couldn't remember where it was. The Masters. He started at the Masters as the main guy with with Nance, and I love Nance. I love Nance on football. Oh yeah, Nance I hear he's great on basketball. Though I never really, top of the top yeah. of the mountain. He's so good. And uh, him and Tony Romo are my favorite uh, football commentators. So Immelman debuted, and I'm I'm okay with him. I'm you know I don't he doesn't I don't know that he for me adds a lot, but he doesn't take anything away. I like his brother actually. I like his brother as an on course commentator, Mark Immelman. Oh yeah, yeah. I like the way he describes golf shots as gorgeous and has a handsome swing, and he's got a sort of a an interesting way of the, the adjectives he uses to describe golf are good. Well, it's for more me. of a South African. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, but what about you and Trevor Immelman? Oh, I think that he's very. He's. I think that he is in the Brandel Chambly territory in terms of research. Yeah, and he just pulls out great factoids at the right moment. I think he's very good. He also uh, contextualized, if you will, contextualized the moment really well. Uh, what he lacks that Faldo brought was sense of humor. Uh, Faldo had this impish sense of humor he could throw in there, and um, but his whole, you know, six. He's just a very brilliant guy and all that. But uh, Immelman, yeah, he's really growing on me. I, I, not as warm and fuzzy. Uh, as I was with I mean, Faldo, but I mean, it, it, it might, very, it, very good. As a broadcaster, it might take him a while too. You know, like I, I was oh, even yeah. as I'm saying that. You know, he's he's been around it. He's been on the team for a while, but in this particular role, this is his first year of doing it. I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but this was another big story. Was NBC didn't dump Paul Azinger? Yes, yes. I I read once we were done that. I read the stories, and you were right. It was a contractual impasse that they couldn't bridge. But there's a guy. A lot of people were very polarized over. 
100%. I didn't like them. You know that we've been through this a few times. We've agreed. To the thing is, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't not like him to the level that you didn't like him. I That's thought right. I, uh, I was okay with him. I did find him a bit cheesy, but you know, a lot of them are cheesy. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I thought at least you know I, that he hadn't didn't stick around very long. No, it was only well, a few who years. Was it, who they got? Yeah, um, it was. It was two years, I think. But you know, he'd also been. Wasn't he also with Fox? Yeah, he'd, he'd been, listen, he'd been doing that job for a long, a lot longer than most people realize. Like yeah, years, right. like 20 years of an, being the analyst on the Fox broadcast and and being part of the ABC US Open coverage sometimes, I think. But, mm. you know, there you go. That's uh, And again, I always gave him a lot of um, room just because of his, you know, his uh, credibility. But yeah, I mean, he's, you know, not everyone's uh, going to dig that. Yeah, guy. well, you know, what's interesting is that since we spoke and you you, you you highly you likely know this is that that it, it appears that kevin kissner is going to be the guy uh no they're gonna, they're gonna give him a couple of shots okay, okay. they're giving That's him it, they're gonna coming. try him out on a couple of um broadcasts but i don't think well two things i don't think kissner is ready to give up being a golfer yet he's only he's in the late 30s early 40s i don't think yeah. well who knows i mean he didn't have uh apparently his last this last year was kind of a disaster for him yep. in terms of miscuts and all that kind of stuff. But you know who I think just would just quickly who I think would be will be uh, would be great uh will be Justin Rose. Man, that guy just like when he gives an interview, post he just hits all these points. He's smart, he's charming, funny, all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, one day so. for sure. What I was going to say about Kisner though is there's a big difference and you brought it up just now. There's a big difference between being interviewed and sort of, I'm going to stumble, but it's um, driving the act, driving the action and activity are different. Oh, things. Right. Well, that's what you do. I mean, that's what you do so well. But, but and, thank you. I was um, going to say about Kevin. Let me finish about Kevin Kisner, though. I don't think Kevin Kisner, like I'll be, you know, they talk about, oh, he says all these outrageous things, you know. But he, yeah, OK. It's one thing to say outrageous things to your buddies while you're playing. It's another yeah. thing to be put on the spot as the, you know, well, I mean, Dan Hicks is going, oh, we're going to have to tell Kevin what about the Broadcast Standards Act. Oh, shut up. You know, this is a, you know I'm so tired of these Americans. You know, they, they say, oh, he really, you know, something the heck out of it. Just say hell. Say ass. We're all grownups. So anyways, mm-hmm. that's what I'm sorry. Sorry, it's I did. Not, that's rant. an Americana way of doing things. I apologize for don't going you on think, anti-American don't you think they've rant. Been, you got to think that they it wasn't just you know a couple of guys at the bar saying hey kids what do you think you got to think that he's had a couple of run throughs um yeah probably oh no i'm sure they'll i'm sure listen i'm not saying he won't be great all i'm saying is it's a lot you know it's a lot of pressure on the guy to yeah. get to, with two appearances i don't think he's and, and again as i said to begin with i don't think he's ready to take take a um a leap away from golf at this point, but you know, fuck you, you never know. Yeah. Well, it'd be also interesting to see how critical he'll be of his peers, of his peers. That exactly. Was, that was the thing that Miller did so well. I've probably told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, who was the, Oh, dang. That was like earlier, like old people can't remember names. Uh, dang it. The guy who won the Canadian open, it came out of nowhere. Nick Taylor? Uh, no, 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 no. Pat Fletcher? No. Oh, fuck. Doesn't matter. When, um, well, give me, give me, look, this is a fun game. Give me some more uh, context. When did he win it? Oh, um, 
like I uh, went like a sort of a journeyman that won it. Yeah, yeah. Reznor? No, not that. No, he, he's a singer in Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> yeah, Trent Reznor. That was one of my favorite <laughs> Canadian Open winners. <laughs> yeah, I liked when Trent Reznor won the. Oh, but his name is something like that. Oh, Ches Reevy. There you go. Ches Reevy. Reevy. Okay. So I also this. auditioned to be the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails. They said, no, we haven't already got a guy. I'm not tall enough. Yeah. Um, I, I'm playing in this media thing with him, Canadian golf journalists, and it was him and Jimmy Walker. And this is when they used to be. Remember that Canadian apparel company? They're, they're right there with. Uh, the, the plaids and <laughs> when I'm supposed wild. to remember another name now. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry. Um, anyways, so we meet Ches Reevy and we're standing around a tea waiting to go off. And I'm, I said, I said, you know, I think it was just after some of big event, and I, I said, yeah, I really like Johnny Miller, just the way he calls it. And Ches Reevy just goes, Johnny Miller's an asshole. Yep. Yeah, they all like, thought that. Oh. Okay, how about those J's, eh? That's right. That's uh, it's so funny. It reminds me of a story. The first time I went to London, England, I was like 22, and so it's like 1982, and just past the sort of the tail end of the punk, you yeah. know, the, the explosion of punk rock and punk style. And I see some dude. In other words, I just don't know how, I, how it came about. I'm just talking. We're on the subway, talking to this kid. He was all punked out. And he says something like, where are you guys from? And I said, we're from Canada. I said, uh, yeah, like, you know, the queen, your queen's on our money. He goes, the queen's a fucking whore. I went, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what I think, too. That's what I think, too. Yeah, okay, anyway. What's, I guess my, this is my stop. Um, so anyway, Kisner. Uh, a human being. Kisner, uh, d- 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 they dumped, uh, whatever, d- d- Azinger's gone. But one thing they did this year. CBS started it, and a few others have taken it up, and oh. I think it's a great, the, yeah, the walk and talk. Mm-hmm. At first, you know, I mean, it's not always, you know, hilarious, and it's, but but as a sport, as, as a guy that watches a lot of golf, as you know, covering the sport, I think it's great. Oh, me too. It's like, why not? Because as we know from golfers, and, and it's great advice, and we've given it on the show, we all disengage between shots. It's not like another sport where you're while you're on the field, like you can't, you know, talk to to uh, Josh Allen. Although you could on the sidelines, and sometimes they do, but you, you can't talk to him while the play's going on. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to ask him what he gets away for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of like the walk and talk. There's been some awkward ones. Oh yeah, there's yeah. been a couple good ones. The Max Homa one was good. Yeah. And see, there's another kid that has got a. You know, again, he's pretty funny. You never know, though. Put him in that chair, how he's going to yeah. react. Yeah, exactly. No, it's 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 really inside golf. Yes, and, and they're able to talk about a shot that that he hit, and why'd you take that line, and where the flag was, and how the conditions are. I mean, that's great stuff. I mean, the more you can get a sense of what's really happening, um, that's you know, and that's why they do interviews with athletes and that's why they usually just give you vanilla answers yeah they usually suck yeah, yeah. but I, I enjoyed that at first i didn't think i would i thought i'm being a little cheesy but i dug it they did nick taylor i think at the canadian open and 
I think he went on after he did his. I think he made a double bogey on that hole or something. It didn't go well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in. It was during the third round, actually, if I remember correctly. But and, and that's uh, kind no, of walk and talk. The walk and talk is cool. And I'm sure. And, pro- uh, I was going to say, as producers, they've probably a little. You know, not all the players would agree, and they also, you know, they don't want to disturb a guy's round. Because you never know. Like, the guy agrees before the third round, as you just said. And then, you know, it, it happens on a hole where he's struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was one that was kind of funny. Um, but anyways, I can't remember. But, yeah, that was a, that was a, a, a really good thing. I, and I've actually come to really enjoy uh, and actually rely on the uh, the track thingy. Yeah, I love the know? track thingy. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I don't. I miss it when it's not there. I think. I wish, I wish they did it on yeah. every shot. Well, I used to always be. I used to used, used to kind of uh, congratulate myself on a guy makes a swing. I went, "Oh, that went left." Mm. Or, you know, and how many times I'd be correct? <laughs> I mean, not. I don't know if it's an age thing, but you know, depending on where I'm watching it, if I'm watching it on a television or on my computer, sometimes, and they do a great job of following it, <laughs> but. Uh, um. I'm only laughing because of something I did the other day to my dog. But I, they usually they do uh, not nothing weird. It's just a golf thing. I'm not sure I should tell the story, but I I I, um, I find the track. I wish they would do the laser on every shot. I just wish they would because I find it such a help. It's all, because it's like if I was standing behind you, I could see the flight of your ball perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to know what I did to my what dog. With Stan? What happened with Stan? Come on. So for as long as Stan's been with me, 12 years, we, it took me a year or so, year and a half to get him to do this. But I regularly, including this Christmas break, even though I'm out of super golfer mode, I'm still in like mild golfer mode. I'm like in like treading water. Like I, so I take him out every day, even when it's like raining. And he runs around this huge park where there's no other people around. It's a, very lucky that I have this. And I've got 300 yards of space to hit balls. It's like a it's like a giant range. On one side is is residential, on the other side is commercial. So very few people use it. And when there are other people with dogs, they love watching Stan chase golf balls. So I hit a golf ball like a wedge, 70, 80 yards. He runs his head off, comes back down, and then if I have a stick, he'll drop the ball. I throw the stick, then I hit another ball, he chases it. It's quite fun. Mm-hmm. So the other day we were just about to wrap up. I'd been out there for I don't know, hit thirty or forty wedges. And I got him down on my last ball. And sometimes, if I don't have a stick to distract him, he'll stand in front of me. I'm like, okay, get your stick, buddy. Go get your stick. I tried to get him to get away from me. But he was about 15, 12 to 15 yards away from me. And I thought, okay, I can just, I'll just chip this over him. Or hit a, you know, like a, I was only going to hit like a 30 or 40 yard shot. And uh, I sculled it <laughs> right into him. Like well, right that's into what I was, that's what I was just thinking was happening. Oh, so some violets coming. Oh here. yeah, twelve years, and he and he was like, ah, 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 and he was like freaking out. I, oh, part God. of it, I think, is he was so surprised, and then he starts limping right away. I'm like, oh great, fucking vet bill broke his leg. Explain surgery, to the children. Explain yeah. what did daddy do to the vet? The, yeah. All the emergency. And um, but the funny thing too was, he got hit and then he tried to grab the ball, <laughs> which made me laugh. I'm like, dude, put it down. It's okay. And by the time we got back to the car, he was still limping because I really thought I got him on his back left hind leg, and or his hind left leg. Yeah. And um, 
he was still limping. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to give him, I'm going to, I wiped off his paws and he didn't seem to be flinching. I took him home and I brought him, I had to carry him up the stairs and, you know, I fed him and he was fine. And this has been two days now and I still can't find a place on his, on his legs where it, he flinches. So I don't know, man. I got, well, maybe that's, yeah, did you, you didn't put ice on it? I, I couldn't. That's the thing. <laughs> the thing is, and I thought of you. I was like, he's going to have like trauma, and he's going to have a big bruise there. But I, I think what happened was it kind of maybe maybe it hit him some. Well, he it hit him definitely on the leg because he was limping for a while, but he yeah. hasn't limped since. That's great. It was just anyway. maybe maybe the scar tissue is just mental. God, <laughs> I, that's why I said to myself, well, you know. 12 years of doing this, at some point, I was going to hit him with a golf ball. Well, so maybe that's the segue to, you know, I've been playing golf how many years, and sometime you're going to get hit by a golf ball. Yes. And mine was, mine was this year. And, uh, yeah, I still occasionally think of that. Um, for those who weren't listening or can't remember, um, I was playing golf at Tarandawa, and uh, – I gave a guy a line. He's a left-hander. I went to his right, and he just hit a dead bush from about 50 yards, five wood, and it just nailed me like a freaking bullet in the forearm. Mm-hmm. And I was just so lucky yeah. that it hit me in the forearm. Because if you if you put your hands there, that's it's pretty solid. It's like bone and muscle and stuff. And But I remember <laughs> – so it kind of freaked me out um, – you know, I remember driving home in a rainstorm, and we'd put ice on it, and I got home, and I just remember getting into the driveway, and as soon as I parked the car, I just felt my energy drain away, and I got in the house, and, hey, hon, you wouldn't believe what happened, and I kind of missed it up a bit. And, oh, buddy. You know, and then for two days, I'm, of course, it's the only thing I'm talking about with people, you know, and people are going, oh, Connor, you could have lost an eye or... No, oh, yeah. If that hit, you know, tell me he could have been dead. And I'm talking to you about it. <laughs> We're recounting this. I'm going into the, into my agony of, of it. Every yeah, you could have been hit in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, yeah, that's the first thing I thought. It was a good thing it didn't hit you in the nuts. I mean, still, you've got some good years left. <laughs> you don't want to be a gelding. Yeah. Oh, I just thought that was so funny. It just went, oh, that's our show. Yeah. Right from, from PhD, <laughs> Raymond Pryor level. You know, Scott Fawcett to seven-year-olds in the schoolyard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You, yeah, you could have got hit in the nuts. You could have been. Uh, you could have lost uh, your uh, your bowel function. Yes. <laughs> so and now yeah. that is the first time, and, and I will say this because you mm. you do what a lot of good players do. I do it all the time. I walk ahead and to the side yeah. of somebody I'm playing with because... Well, it's part of a keeping pace thing. And, part, well, part of it and part of the... Yeah, it's part of keeping pace. And part of it is, you know, I just generally play with people I trust aren't going to be... Aren't going to shank fuck it into my skull from 30 yards ahead of them to the right. But you did, you did, and I think a lot of people took note of it, which is, doesn't matter. You've got to be careful. Yep. And, and so I did. And I'm being honest now that I... um because I haven't been honest this entire show. I am being honest when people say, let me, let me be honest with you. Really, what, what have you been doing up until now? Mostly yeah. lying. So I did take note of that and did start to, to, to make sure I wasn't in a situation you were in, which is all of us have done it. Yep. I've literally stood there, right-handed, left-handed golfer, where 
if something, if they did pull it or do something, I could get hit. So, and you watch the guys. It's funny. I thought of you this uh, as well. You watch where guys on tour stand. They're way ahead. They're, 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 the last thing they're worried about is somebody 65 yards behind them or whatever it is. Sometimes, you know, you see where Rory's outdriven yeah. a guy by 80 yards. He doesn't, he's not worried about being hit. This should have worked that into Tin Cup. Maybe yeah, that's one exactly. thing they missed. Yeah, they got getting hit by golf balls. Yeah. I read a great piece. Uh, be very brief. I just, on the, how long ago was Tin Cup? Was that like 20 or 30 years 90s, ago? Somewhere in the 90s. It's still so stands up such a uh, such a great golf movie just hit on all the all the key elements there but um yeah the um what was your key thing that happened this year in terms of like if you have oh, to be really good and the really bad what would what would they be okay before we do that i've got to, i don't know if i ever told you my 10 cup story so there's a scene in 10 cup where Kevin Costner comes out of his uh, driving range shack, and he's I he's I know. you know the story, yeah. and he's going. Yeah, yeah. I, I know if I've said it on the podcast, probably have, but it's been eight years. So he comes out of the shack, and he's got every golf gadget yeah. attached to him from head to toe. He's got yeah. this thing on his ball on his golf cap. It's a putting thing that clips on, and you look through it. He had a thing around. It. He had the he had a jacket on, and we're watching this movie. It's a true story. My ex wife and I. And she leans over and she goes, you have all of those. <laughs> I, I, didn't know, I, I had like literally three quarters of the things he had on I owned yeah, and they were in my yeah, basement. So that was I was during his shanking episode. That's shanking right. He was trying episode. to get rid of the shanks. Um, so this is our, our last segment. Um, what was I don't know. What was your question? What was my best and worst? What was your highlight and your low light of the year? Uh, sitting on the couch after the uh, senior club championship, my daughters reminded me of it again at Christmas. Uh, sitting there, they were both over. Uh, we were supposed to have dinner that night, and I was sitting there on the couch after, and I was inconsolable. I was just, I was so bummed out that they were, they were, they got, they were worried about me. Because yeah. here's how it came up. Because I was telling him about how I've evolved and how I, you know, things don't oh, bother yes, me. Yes, oh yeah, yes. this was Daddy's uh, speech. Daddy's. Jazz the GSL. That's right. I was telling him that Christmas a few days ago. Oh yeah, you know I don't th- I don't take things in golf as seriously as I did before. And you know over the last few years, you know whatever I've involved and blah blah blah. And then the, one of them said, "Oh yeah, you mean like that time we we couldn't talk to you last June?" I was like, "Shit." But That's I said, right. you know, I said, well, but I said well, that was a blip. That's not every day anymore. I'm they, a human. To I'm be to, to be fair. Up. Um, so that was the lowest point I could remember. The, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say the highest point, but the thing I was going to say that I learned, like the, that, that, that moment led me to work with Raymond. And working yeah. with Raymond led me to do something that Kent Osborne, this is what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, our buddy Kent, who's got a new book coming out. It'll be out in uh, February, and I, I told him we'd love to have him on. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I started to golf journal. I'd never done that before. I'd, uh, you know, started a little, you know, fits and starts. But this, for the last months, few months of the golf season, certainly July on, I started doing that. And it made a big difference. And I would say that Kent has been talking to me about it for a few years. But it was Raymond's impetus that led me to start doing it, that led me to see the game each day as I was playing it in the proper context, contextualizing, and the proper perspective. 
Yeah. And, and what and what about you, brother? It's amazing. Well, my highlight and low light happened on the same day. <laughs> that was um at least oh, that's I know how this. I, yes. That's what I'm going with anyways. Um yeah, second round club championship. Um even though I'm an old person, uh I was playing in the championship flight, playing from the golds and surprising myself how well I was playing. I hadn't played the golds uh, at least in a year and a half or so. So second round, I got it going. And I uh, get to the 18th hole, Blue Springs, and i feeling so confident. I hit driver, and I hit it through the fairway, pitch out to the fairway. I hit a very indifferent approach to about 50 feet. Anyways, I end up four putting. And I just feigned that I was a good guy, and I was happy to play, and mm-hmm. I... You know, through gritted teeth, smiled, and but we get up to the scoring thing, and I like once we're done signing the cards, I throw the pencil into the cart, and I just floor it across the parking lot, and I go to my car, and uh, I'm you know full bore temper tantrum, five year old meltdown, <laughs> and I take my take my clubs off the cart, and I bang it on the ground as if to say, "Don't come near me, <laughs> don't come near me." And then I hear, hey, Tim, how was your day? <laughs> and I turn around, and there's Tim Kazarin, who used to be a neighbor when we lived in Rockwood. And he had just joined Blue Springs that year. And I hadn't seen Tim in about 10 years, but I was aware that in 2014, as a firefighter, they were answering a call at a warehouse fire, and there was an explosion, and a cinder block wall fell on him, mm. and they found him minutes later, no vital signs, 41 broken bones, 25 surgeries later, he's back at work. Wow. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm having a fucking temper tantrum? And going through all these stories about how can you be a coach and people watching me and blah, blah, blah. And here's a guy who fought back really almost like from near death and and not being able to walk again. And it just is it just it was a slap in the head. And I just went. So I stammered about what happened. And then we kind of gradually and then just we said goodbye. And then I just wandered over to the 18th um, green just overlooking and of course no one the 30 guys who watched me before but they couldn't give a shit they probably forgot who cares they they don't care that tim o'connor's a coach and i just remember like looking in like the blue sky and the in this ken our buddy ken osborne you just mentioned i mean i was just so grateful for that and it just like kind of like okay i snapped right out of it yeah and that led to me reconnecting with fred shoemaker and just taking a look at the game and just a very a, a broader um, perspective that you know about score and you know so yeah you and I we talk about this game we talk to interesting people we coach uh, but yeah we're we're just privy to getting bummed out and sucky and as everyone else but uh, every once in a while things happen that kind of you know will wake me up if you will and yeah, that's one of the interesting th- interesting things about this game I mean you did four pot though <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting this entire time to go. Yeah, but okay, all that's great. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you. Very I mean, good. I mean, the guy went through some things, but you did four putt. 
Uh, yeah, it's crazy, dude. Uh, listen, I'll say in our last minute, it's always a great, uh, it's, a, it's always a great chat with you, great hangs with you, O'Connor, and um, we have yeah, a, uh, we're doing it for at least one more year. No one can stop us now. Taylor Made Golf is, uh, we mentioned last time, signed on. I didn't mention them at the top of the show, so uh, we'll be back uh, doing uh, some stuff with TaylorMade, and uh, I can tell you from the uh, Swing Thoughts uh, sales department, we're open for business. If there's uh, a company out there that would like to associate themselves with this kind of unique golf uh, program, uh, you can get a hold of either one of us, and uh, we'd be happy to show you what we have uh, and what we can do for other sponsors. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so there well, you go. All the best to you yes. and the rest of the Glassmans. And, um, you know, looking forward to doing this again with you in 2024. And, and um, you know, hope our listeners have a, a, a great rest of their holiday and a, and a, and a wonderful new year, too. Exactly. Um, and uh, with that, I'll be, uh, we'll, I'll probably do one more show with you early in January before doesn't have to be, but I'm heading back to Mexico on January 20th, yeah. where I'll be, uh, you know, doing the Mexican version of Swing Thoughts until the rest of the, for the rest of the winter. So all, I will say this, anyway: healthy, happy new year to everyone, and uh, we'll see you next time. Well, now you step inside, but you